Hello, my name's Scott, and these are the readings and the sermon that we had for Safeguarding Sunday on the 10th of October. The first reading was from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and even of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we shall see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. We have a second reading, this one from the Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20. When it was evening on that first day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, and he stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger 
in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side. I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and he stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. So we had a sermon, and this sermon on the back of the readings was a sermon for Safeguarding Sunday, uh, a nationwide initiative um, picked up by the church uh, and promoted throughout churches throughout the land. Now, in the attic of our house, I've got a big thick jacket and it's bright orange, or at least it's meant to be bright orange. It's got a bit mucky with really thick grease over the months and years because I use it, especially when it's cold, working around the engines of the North Yorkshire Moors Railway. And by wearing what's meant to be bright orange, uh, we keep ourselves safe. We can be seen and we take on the identity of someone who works on the railway, or in my case, only occasionally, um, sometimes working in the shed, perhaps working out there on the line. The railway's got a great uh, a scheme for young people to bring them on and to uh, get themselves thoroughly mucky and then send them away home to get cleaned up. Some of the locomotives that run on the railway look fantastic, running up and down, gleaming, clean. Uh, but if you see pictures of when they were had finished their normal working life, they were in a terrible state. And it's taken a huge amount of time, effort and money to get these old steam engines to look like they do today, to restore them to, uh, if you like, the factory settings and to look uh, splendid. There was a time, uh, the pressing need for change, was over safeguarding against accidents at work and at home, both for the rich and for the poor. Hard hats, high vis, health and safety rules and regulations at work, at home, in public places, all of these uh, with the idea of keeping us physically safe and to avoid accidents, life-changing accidents. But when we think of safeguarding today, we tend to think of protecting the vulnerable in society from deliberate acts of harm. Acts which clearly are not part of our God's plan. All of us will find ourselves vulnerable from time to time, but some adults and all children are always vulnerable. God calls all of us to protect the weak and the needy. Now I was, um, and still am, enormously grateful to uh, 
wrote to Martin for giving me the uh, preaching slot on safeguarding Sunday. Safeguarding or a lack of safeguarding affected me as a child growing up in the church. And it's clearly important to others as well. I've never had people asking me to uh, include a message that's important to them in the sermon. But uh, a few people, knowing that um, I was preaching on Safeguarding Sunday, uh, have hoped, hoped that I would include a particular point important to them. I'll give you two examples. The first is from Jan. Please can you remind people that safeguarding is everyone's business? Jan is our church family's designated safeguarding officer and works within our safeguarding committee with Martin. This is a simple and common message. It's on the diocesan website. And uh, if you ever travel on a train, you will recognize um, a frequent message which says, see it, say it, sorted. It's a message to everybody. See it, say it, sorted. Now, just note that the message on the trains is not see it, say it, sort it. It's see it, say it, sorted. It's very uh, subtly different. We're not to presume to sort it ourselves. Instead, we are to tell the experts whose job and responsibility it is to get it sorted. We're not to presume to sort it out on our own. Too often there have been well-meaning people, or lazy people, or both, who have botched it, or bottled it, or hidden it. Every school has at least one designated officer. Where I work at Richmond School, we have four. Here in church, in our church family, if you or I have concerns, Jan and Martin must be told. And they have people they can seek help from. Martin picked out for me important phrases from the resources sent through for Safeguarding Sunday. Now, there are three sets. First is um, fairly straightforward, whether, just read it out to you, whether churches can give just a few minutes or dedicate their whole service, Safeguarding Sunday is a really helpful and important way of focusing on all the work that goes on 365 days a year in our churches to make them safe places. And the second is also, um, second piece Martin picked out is also uh, fairly straightforward. From our children's and young people's activities to clubs for the elderly and food banks, our churches are involved in every community. Protecting vulnerable people is at the heart of the Christian message. The heart of the Christian message. And the world needs this message of healing, love, and true, restored identity. We know that there are those who seek to damage, to seek to belong to groups in which there are vulnerable people. The church, schools, scouts, swimming club, athletics clubs, football clubs, Oxfam, Samaritans, charities, the police, the Metropolitan Police. Martin 
as for a third uh, section to be highlighted. And this is more challenging for us in church. Safeguarding Sunday is all about creating an opportunity for churches to show to their communities that they take this responsibility seriously. And this quotes a bishop called Bishop Jonathan. And that is a little harder. There is a small number of people, but not an insignificant number, who've been hurt by the church, whose lives will never be the same again. Their response to such a statement can be deep anger that the church presumes to represent this healing message to the communities that we serve. Even if they, out in the communities, still accept the heart of the message of Christ, they will struggle to accept that our church represents this message. And it is the message of healing and love and true identity, an identity that can be restored unblemished from all the damage others have done to us and we do to ourselves. So who is this? Although he's got a national profile, he's one of our bishops here in the Diocese of Leeds. He's Bishop of Huddersfield. He's also the National Church's lead safeguarding bishop. And he has also shared with us that he experienced, uh, to use his words, childhood trauma, the impact of which resonates and fluctuates many years later. This is important. With the greatest respect to Jonathan, his wounds are a gift to us and the church. If a person damaged by the church can still find the church to be a place in which God can be found, a church in which healing is still possible, a church that worships a God who restores true identity. Then our church has usefulness and value. As we say at St. Mary's, keep hold of that which is good. when I have spoken or sometimes written about safeguarding and abuse. One point seems to resonate with people. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I would never become the person I would have been. But I am still and you are still made in the image of God. For now we see God as if looking in a mirror. It's a murky image, and it's got all sorts of other DNA mixed in. Damage, negativity, arrogance. We bear the scars of damage others have done to us, the scars of the memories of the things we have done to others, and all those things we have done to ourselves. Christ represents the healing God. If Christ does not come, then we are to remain in that dark, locked room, scared and alone. But he comes. If Christ comes with false healing, 
He didn't die. He didn't suffer. There was no resurrection. Then our preaching and our church is a worthless platitude built on sand. It is false healing, a clanging symbol. And as Paul says, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has died. Christ is come and it is most important that he comes again and again still bearing the scars to the disciples to Thomas to us he has to be with us in suffering if he is to be with us in healing he has to bear his scars as we all bear ours if he is going to help us in that process to restore the image of God in us and in others, if we are all to find our true identity. I want to draw together some recent themes, but I need to highlight, uh, of course, uh, the or I remind the, the, the links, the important contact details um, that can be found on our church website. It includes, uh, under the tab, safeguarding, and it includes a link to the diocesan website that has even more important information and where to get support on this theme of safeguarding. Well, as we went through September into October, we had some of these themes. Harvest, gratitude, generosity, and the importance of our church family at St. Mary's in Richmond and its worship. 21 years ago, Gillian and I came to St. Mary's and we will always be grateful for the generous welcome of this church family. When we came, I was a bit battered and bruised, to be honest, and I remember sitting in front of the pillar at the very back of church so i couldn't be seen by people in front of me and we couldn't be seen by people coming in i just wanted to keep my head down and out of the way but of course you're not going to get ignored for long we were sibled and we were joyed and lots of other people giving us a gracious and generous and supportive welcome and i've been supported in my read a ministry throughout this time there's been the three w's of the study groups weird wacky and wonderful it was here in my church family that i regained my singing voice after a loss of 20 years and the three boys to see them nurtured and encouraged by this their church family alistair last week beginning his new life in Liverpool. He's already rung the massive bells at Liverpool Cathedral using the skills learnt here at St. Mary's. And Gillian, 20 years ago, painfully shy, far too nervous uh, to in any way be in the spotlight. And next year, she is due to be ordained. And if any church can claim to be ascending church it is this one saint mary's of richmond this is a place where we can and i think we do help each other find that image of god within 
continue on a journey of healing and in our desire to keep hold of that which is good and share and grow that which is good. We aspire to make this family a family where all are welcome. Thank you.